0: It's Angela, and I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. I am so excited to interview the founder. She's a trainer, author, speaker, coach of an amazing company called Sales Maven. And if you don't know what a Maven is, um, you'll have to Google it. And no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> it is um, an, an expert. And being an expert in this field of leadership and Training, it is so rewarding. I know myself as doing some of the same things that my guest today does. It's just like really the most rewarding thing. And the message that she has for us today on creating an authentic feel, but also being effective when you're selling, which can be a little bit weird. Like before I really knew who I was or what I wanted to do, I'm like, I'm not a salesperson. And then I had a mentor and a coach one time, and he's like, you're a salesperson, Angela, like get over yourself, like you sell. And what I've learned though, over the years is I really have to be passionate about something and then I can sell the hell out of it. And so I'm really excited to talk to Nikki Roush. She's the founder of SalesMaven. And thank you, Nikki, for being here today. How are you? I'm great. And thank you so much for having
1: me. I am really looking forward to having this conversation with you.
0: Yay. I'm so excited. So before we jump in to talk about selling and processes and being authentic and how you even got to what Sales Maven is today, take us down the journey and where did you grow up? How did you grow up? Like, what are all the things you did before you knew like, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. Hi, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Business Unveiled. Expert tips and secrets from top Creative Industry Professionals, where we take you behind the scenes of our past experiences in the creative industry and share with you what we have learned from them and how they have made us stronger. This podcast will help you grow a productive and profitable business to launch you into success within the creative industry. Today's podcast is being brought to you by one of my favorite platforms, Kajabi. So stop trading your time for money. Kajabi provides digital entrepreneurs an all-in-one platform which enables you to create a life of freedom on your terms. Everything is housed under one platform. So there's really no need for multiple services. Kajabi really has all of the tools that you need in one place if you're looking for a home to share your knowledge and build online courses. You have a community of like-minded people with proven success in selling knowledge online and the support with Kajabi is amazing. Give it a try today. B-I-T dot ly slash A-P Kajabi. Well, I grew
1: up in Boise, Idaho. I was raised primarily by my dad, and I have three brothers and no sister. So it's definitely a tomboy. Wow. wow. And um, and I was also very shy. So the fact that I now get up on stage and speak is really unbelievable in <laughs> in many yeah. cases. Like when I think about how shy I was. Um, so my, my grandfather and my dad owned a tool store and, um, that was kind of that first taste of entrepreneurial, like how cool it is to be able to control, you know, your pricing and what you offer. And, um, and also seeing they had a tool store that bought and sold, um, new and used tools. And so there was a lot of trading involved. So I learned from a very, very early age that, there are ways to get what you want and sometimes it isn't always that straight path, right? Like sometimes you have to take some turns and to get what you want. So that was super helpful. And then, um, fast forward, I moved to Washington state in my early twenties and, Got my first professional sales job out of college and it was one of those like dialing for dollars type sales jobs. Like you had to make a certain number of calls every day and we were selling really high ticket um, technology in the education market, which at the time like was really new and, and super exciting, but also very expensive and kind of uncomfortable for me growing up the way I grew up, I would say like grew up pretty, um, you know, lower income. And here I am selling this equipment that started at like $5,000. And in my mind, it was like, who could ever afford something that costs $5,000? And, you know, so that was always an interesting journey. And really that's where I started to hone my sales chops. And, um, and eventually moved up, became their national sales manager, managed a large sales team, and then moved on to the manufacturer side of the tech space. And it was specifically an audio-visual. So this is what really got me out of that, that shy mode because now I had to go out and give demonstrations like multiple times a day and work you trade shows it. and real yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah. So that really was, you know, that was such a great like opportunity for me to learn how to engage with all different types of people. And when I was working at the manufacturer level, I also got really curious about just communication in general and the way that people kind of show up in conversations. And I started studying neurolinguistic programming really on the side just to see if it would make me better at sales. And it definitely did. And it also made me better at just communicating with all the people in my life, which in turn improved all the relationships in my life. Yeah. So, um, you know, fast forward, you know, many more years of doing that for a long time and having really established myself as kind of a go-to rep in that industry as really one of the, one of the top producing and most reliable, I think sales reps in the industry, like yeah. people knew, like you could count on me. I was going to return your calls. I was going to, you know, do what I say I was going to do. And, um, And so the entrepreneurial journey was kind of by accident, which I, which maybe some people can relate to. I never never (laughs) planned to have my own business, but I was just about to turn 40 and I started feeling like something was missing in my life. And I got really curious about that because from the outside, I had a really good life. I was making very good money, you know, driving a company car and get, you know, getting to go to Japan and Korea and, um, you know. Fun vacation stuff in Mexico for like work trips and cruises. And, you know, I'd had this great, exciting life, but it felt like there was something missing. And so I left the industry and really kind of fell into my business by accident. Somebody, I started meeting these entrepreneurs and they were, you know, I I love entrepreneurs because they're super passionate about what they do and they have like a servant's heart and, you know, they're trying to make the world a better place. And, whatever their offer is. And I found that a lot of them really struggled with the sales conversation. And that was the piece that for me felt easy. And so I just started helping some of them on the side. And finally a friend of mine pulled me aside and said, Nikki, like, you need to do this as a business. Like you need to help people. And I just thought, nobody would ever pay me to talk about sales. I thought (laughs) it was too easy. Like everybody knows this stuff, right? Like, why would you pay me to talk about it? There's tons of other people out there that can talk about sales. And, um, you know, here I am six years later into my business and turns out like people pay me to talk about sales and it's awesome. And I love it.
0: I feel like that. and, And I mean, I was that girl too, where because growing up it's like you know we hear those phrases of like a used car salesman yes. like, <laughs> there's such a negative thought when when someone says oh she's in sales and it's like well what kind of sales and it's almost like you look like a douchebag or something and so <laughs> i had to like my mentor years ago like he really had to almost like psychologically teach me to reframe in what a salesman means and like mm-hmm. how to have a positive feeling when someone's like, Oh, she's in sales like now. And because I'm very comfortable with it, like, like very much like you where it's like, okay, I'm going to own this shit and hell yeah, I'm a good salesperson, but yeah. not a slimy ball <laughs> salesperson. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things I will say is a creative, just like you said, it is just uncomfortable sometimes and so while I can sell the hell out of everything and close people like that's where my process stops and then I have someone else on the numbers the admin the accounting side that like goes and collects like the contracts and the money and like the stuff (laughs) that I'm just like I don't want to talk about that I just want to talk about the fun stuff and how it's going to change your life yeah Um, but I know that you have a selling process that And like, like we both know is so important for creatives. So what are some like nuggets for creatives that are listening that are like, Oh God, I guess I need to just buck it up. And like, I am in sales. Like what is a way for them to understand? Like they need to have a process. Well, and the pro, yeah. So I love all the stuff that you just
1: said. And the process (laughs) that I teach really is about the sales conversation And this comes from my background of studying neurolinguistic programming is that I, there's a, you know, one of the presuppositions of NLP is that there's a structure to excellence. And when you can understand a structure and you can start to follow a structure, you can get similar results. And so when i teach sales the thing that i found especially with entrepreneurs and creatives and people who don't identify as like sales people right they just like i just want to help people or right. i just want to educate people or any of those things that you've got going through your mind when you can give them a structure a process to follow now it gets easier and it allows for their own personality to shine through so I teach a five-step process and I call it the selling staircase because it really is your job to move a client from step to step to step. And if you can move through the steps, it's really much more simple to get to the place where you exchange money for your
0: service or product. And so I a lot of that, okay, good. And you a have lot. a new book, like reselling you selling Star- Is that what this is about? Yes. Yes. That's oh exactly my what the book Tell is us more.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I broke it down into these five steps. And, and the reason I did this is because a lot of times what people say and where they get stuck is they, they often come to me and they're like, I don't know what to say here. And so I give you, I give my clients, language suggestions. I I try to avoid using the word scripts, although my clients call them scripts, because I want your own personality to shine through. But sometimes people just need a starting place. And so the five steps are, you know, the first step in a selling process is an introduction. And that could be meeting somebody for the first time, but it can also mean introducing somebody to the for the first time of the idea that you might have something that would serve them in some way. So these could be people you've known for 20 years who've never thought about hiring you or buying from you. And so there are things that you do and things that you say in that introduction piece that then leads to step two, which is the curiosity piece. And this is where you learn how to, in a strategic way, answer questions that spur people to want to know more, to be like, ooh, tell me more about that. Like, ooh, Angela, like what's this thing you've got going on? Because they wanna start seeing themselves as like, ooh, I'd like some of that. And when you create curiosity, the next logical thing that happens is buying signals. And that was actually my second book, is people start giving you buying signals. And when you get a buying signal, it's really easy then to move somebody to step three, which is the discovery process. Now it's your job to start to understand like, what is their need? What really is the thing that they're looking to solve or how are they looking to improve their life in some way? And do I have a solution for that? and if you do a great discovery then it's really natural to then offer them an opportunity for a proposal and that this all can happen in one conversation by the way or sometimes it happens over multiple you know touches or multiple conversations but if you do a great discovery and you, then you move to the proposal the next logical step and this is step 5 is the close this is where you issue the close language that allows for somebody to go do I want to buy from you or not? Or am I ready to move forward or not? And you have to learn how to get some of these language pieces out of your mouth because many people won't decide to hire you until you invite them. That's what I call it. When you're asking Ah. for the sale is you're issuing an invitation and it allows for their brain to make a decision.
0: That is a really great way to look at it. I wonder if that's why people like they never, they're like, why can't I sell? Why can't I close? Because you have to freaking ask for it, people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you have to ask for it. Yes. Like, that is, it seems so simple, but I think so many people get caught up in asking for it, where a lot of times, if you're providing value, you almost don't even have to ask for it, but you do have to be very clear in what the next steps are. Yeah, right? I,
1: Yes. And I do believe that you want to get the language out of your mouth. Like you want to issue that invitation. Um, years ago, I had a woman before she started working with me, she, she came up to me after she heard me speak and she was like, okay, Nikki, I hear you talking about buying signals and issuing invitations, but you know, my business is different because I sell to adults and I was <laughs> taken aback for a minute. Cause I was like, wait, and so my brain is like you know on fire going like who doesn't sell to adults like who who's buying like are pets buying our kids buying like what do you mean you sell to adults right And so I, like, I got really curious with her and I was like, tell me more about that. And she said, well, you know, adults, if they want to hire me, they'll let me know. And I was like, oh no, they will not. No. (laughs) Many times they won't even make a decision to hire you until you ask them. And so we started working together and we started seeing right away by her learning how to issue these invitations to move through the process, through the steps, All of a sudden, she was like booking clients all the time and her business has really taken off. And it came to this realization of her of like, oh, I actually do need to ask. Now, I will say, and the reason I teach this five-step process is you can't just meet somebody and say, do you want to buy from me? Like you're skipping steps, right? That's, that turns people off. This is why salespeople get a bad rap is because, you know, people, when you skip steps in the selling process, you either confuse or irritate or, you know, like cause people to want to run away from you. Yeah. So it's super important that you understand the structure, that you know where you are in the conversation and you know what to do next. Because when you know what to do next, it takes all the angst out of it. It it takes that like, oh, I'm afraid to say this because you're like, oh no, I need to say this because it's going to make it easier for the other person to get what they're saying they want or have their problem solved. And it really is your job to earn people's business. And that means you've got to ask. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So from a creative's perspective, um, you know, you hear all of these different scientific things like first impressions or everything, and you have five seconds to impress somebody. <laughs> and, um, but from your professional not even opinion, but it sounds like you've done so much research and just all the experience that you've had, like, how can people really understand those, those cues and body language and Mm -hmm. like, how can they really establish, like, how do you establish a real connection, especially for people that they're kind of introverted? Like I'm so extroverted. It's not even funny. Like I would talk to the wall. Um, (laughs) but not all salespeople are like that. Right. And so what, advice or just what can they do to understand like, Hey, like you just said, you have to establish a real connection first before you ask for something. So how can people do that?
1: Well, Just to be really clear too, is I actually fall to the introverted side. So I will not talk to everybody in a wall. Like I still feel a little shy. Like I'm the last person to send somebody a friend request on Facebook because I go like, I feel like they're going to be like, why is she friending me? You know, like, so I still feel shy around that stuff. That's not the norm, but I do understand the way people make decisions and the way people connect. And so for the people who are like, Oh, this asking this following, the sales process seems really hard. The foundation of everything I teach is rapport first. And so when you think about how can you build rapport with somebody, one of the areas that I teach my clients often is imagine having a rapport bank account with every single person you come into contact with. And the goal is to always make deposits in the rapport bank account instead of withdrawals, right? And withdrawals are like, where you're not being your best self or maybe you say something that didn't like land very well and now they're a little put off by you. So we want to make rapport deposits. And one of the ways to do that is to engage with people, ask them questions, right? And then as far as like making a powerful first impression, one of the things that I often say is that Pay attention to their, like their style. Are they somebody who has a great big smile on their face and they want to like reach out and shake your hand or, or maybe even give you a hug or are they somebody who is a little more like have that relaxed kind of facial expression, like their, the muscles in their face are more relaxed and they're more like inclined to be like, how are you? Nice to meet you. Like a little more reserved. And take your cues from them. Like if you have a big personality and you're like, look, I hug everybody, you are going to turn people off. And I, by the way, I am a hugger. I love Me to too. Hug people, but I always ask their permission. I always say, and I say it just like this. I'm always like, it's so nice to meet you. Now I'm a hugger. Are you a hugger? And I wait to see their response. And sometimes people will go like, yeah, yes. And now I know that's not a real yes. So then I put my hand out and shake their hand. Right. Mm -hmm. And so think about what, like, can you make the goal is to put them at ease. Right. Because when you Mm -hmm. start to put people at ease, they 'll be much more open to hearing your message they 'll be more open to sharing with you what what their wants and their needs are and they 'll be more revealing about how to earn their business, frankly because we want to buy and do business with people who we feel comfortable around you know that no like and trust factor is true it 's been said a thousand maybe a million times, but it 's so true that we like people who are like us. Mm-hmm. We also think people who approach us and have a similar style to us, we think those people are smart. <laughs> like, it's true. When you yeah. meet somebody who's like you, you're like, girl, you are smart. You and I think alike. We act alike. Like, we could be friends forever. You are smart. And so, again, take your cues from the other person. Pay attention to their style. And one, you know, my, my all-time favorite quote is, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be bent out of shape. Oh my God. I love it. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) So I believe, I believe in having some flexibility to your style, be willing to adjust to the other person. And that is going to help you make a powerful first impression because we like people who are like us and we think people who are like us are smart.
0: Yep. That's hilarious. And it's funny because as an entrepreneur, like when I go in and try to help people identify their blind spots and figure out like, why are they losing money? And why Mm -hmm. are they, I mean, just so many things. It's like typically... The person at the top, they hire a bunch of people just like them that they like, and then they don't hire anybody that's going to challenge them or people that think differently than them. And then you end up with a bunch of creatives and like no strategist and no analyst. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, we have some blind spots here. We need to hire some people. (laughs) and move some people around that are not like you. That's Um, right. So it's just, it's crazy. So tell us like, what is the difference between... Like this whole cat calling and dog calling technique. Ooh, okay. Like what is, and, and I know like you, you're like, spoiler alert, cats are better than dogs. But you know, and I love using that because it's like, I, I used to have cats. And then when I turned 30, for some crazy reason, I developed this horrible allergy and I had to get rid of my cats. Thankfully, I wasn't like as close to them as I am my dogs and so, you know, then I go on this search for like hypoallergenic dogs and you know, do all this research and, um, and thankfully like I'm not allergic to my little dogs. And if the doctor told me like, you have to get rid of your dogs, you're allergic to them. I would be like, what shot do I need to take? And how much is it? Like, I don't yep. care. <laughs> get rid of my dogs, <laughs> like yeah. my children and they sleep with me and they go places with me. So no. Um, so I was a cat person and now I'm a dog person because of that. Okay. What is the difference? (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) I love that you
1: shared that about yourself. I love that so much. Okay. So when I think about creating curiosity, which is step two in the process, I always say it's the difference between how you call a dog and how you call a cat. So when you want to get your dog's attention and obviously we've got a real dog lover here. So you correct me, Angela. But if you want to get your dog's attention, you can do this thing like, come here, come here. You have this like high pitch, like, oh, we're going to do something fun. And dogs are like, oh my gosh, we're going to do something fun. And they'll come right to you. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you want to get a cat's attention, you cannot call a cat like that. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to be a little bit more like here, kitty, kitty. Mm -hmm. And then a cat might give you some attention. And the way that you create curiosity and how this relates to curiosity is when you show up in a conversation and you have dog calling energy, if you act as if the other person is like the dog, they're going to be turned off by that. They're going to (laughs) go like, oh, it's totally. too much. I feel like you just word vomited all over me. I feel like your, your energy just is like, Oh, it's too over the top. And this comes across sometimes one, it could be a personality trait, but two, sometimes we're just so freaking excited to talk about our new offer or what new thing is going on for us that we show up with this dog calling energy and people just do not respond to it. So instead, my suggestion is show up with a little bit of like, how can you create cat calling energy? How can you create a little here, kitty, kitty? And that means that when you answer some really basic questions, you want to have Question like answers to questions that cause people to want to know more. So, for instance, if somebody shows up in an event and says, "Hey, Nikki, how how are you? How, how have you been?" Like, I could have a standard answer. I could say, "Like, oh, I'm fine. How are you?" But that doesn't open the door for any like catcalling energy. It doesn't open the door for them to ask me really any follow up question that I'm being strategic to like try to. Um, see if they're interested in hearing more about something that's going on. So for instance, right now, if, some, if I show up someplace and somebody says, hey, Nikki, how are you? I might say something like, oh my gosh, I am fantastic. I just filled my masterclass that starts in two weeks. That's going to most, right. Most likely somebody's going to be like, well, what's your masterclass about? Or like, Mm -hmm. oh, what, what does that mean? Or, oh, how many people do you have in there? Or what's the, you know, they're, they're going to ask some follow-up questions. So you give them just enough of of an information for them to have a question. Now, if they go like, that's nice. Do you want to hear about what's going on with me? Then, you know, don't, Don't stop them and be like, hey, I just gave you a here kitty kitty and you didn't ask me a question, right? right? Like go on with the conversation, (laughs) but it's totally okay to drop these little things. And I do this naturally now. Like it's very much a part of um, how I show up. Like when we showed up today, on the, the, on the interview, you know, I had my camera on and you commented about Uh what I was wearing and I said, Oh, that's because I'm headed right to a speaking gig after that. Yep. That is a potential like here, kitty, kitty, because then it allows for you to go like, Oh, what are you speaking about? Or, Oh, what's, what's the, where are you going? Or like, you know, it it allows for somebody to ask a question now they may not always, and that's totally okay, but we've got to give them an opportunity And so your answer should be about things that are related to your business in some way. And only say things that are true, but do have a little bit of a response that allows somebody to go tell me more.
0: That is so awesome. Yeah, because you're right. Like people, and also too, when people are like, "How are you?" and in my head, I'm like, "I'm so fucking tired," and I've been up for three days, and I've been decorating Christmas decorations all freaking for the last four nights. But it's like I don't say that. No, making it. But it's like I'm great. How are you? And it's like I can barely stand up because I'm so tired. But yeah, so it's like. People don't really tell the truth all the time. Um, and it's like, do you really want to know how I am? And yeah. so I love the sales technique of thinking though, a, a little bit differently on that. Like it just, um, and at first, like, yeah, like, yeah, it does seem like, okay, what am I supposed to say? But it's kind of like this methodology I use with called true colors. And I can tell by like people's emails or looking at their Pinterest board or like their body language, like what color they are in the methodology. And so people are like, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, once you start doing it, it just becomes very natural and you customize the message the way they need to hear it based on what color they are. And so, mm. but yeah, once you start doing it, it's just like, it, it's first nature almost it's like I can do it in my sleep. And I was just gonna say, like, for you, so I didn't know this about you with the
1: colors. This is super interesting to me. This is, by the way, that's a great hair kitty kitty. But, like, oh. you could show up and somebody say, like, how are you? And you could say, oh, I'm great. I feel like I've been spending a lot of time with people that are, you know, green green Uh color, right? Or, or resonate with the green color. Like that would cause me to be like, what does that mean? Like, tell me more. (laughs) And then that opens the door for you to start to talk about how you bring this into your work. And that may actually then spur me to go like, well, now I want to know what color I am and how that works for me. So maybe I should hire you. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yes. I love it. I love it. So you talk a lot about the discovery phase and like how, which like the word discovery for me is like when clients are like, yeah, can you um, help me do some marketing videos? And I'm like, sure, but you know, I ask a bunch of questions, like I'm trying to discover, like, what's your goal? Do you want to monetize them? Like, who's your audience? What's your call to action? What's your stories? And I vomit all of this stuff. And then I kind of like overwhelm people and they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I've learned Mm. that, you know, every time it it overwhelms people. And so in the discovery phase, like my main question for you as an expert is like, how can I really understand the client's needs, but like not overwhelm them by like asking too much stuff to discover what their needs are. It's, it's hard. It's really hard sometimes. It is hard. And so
1: here's one of the things that I often work with clients on. I do this in like strategy sessions and my private clients all the time is we look at what are the questions that are being asked in the discovery and almost like, it is so common for me to say, okay, you're asking 10 questions. You really only need to ask four of these questions, and the other six should be asked after they hire you. So when you think about what is the information that you should ask in a discovery so that you can then propose to them ways to work together. So sometimes you don't need all of that information, you only Mm -hmm. need enough of it to make a recommendation about next steps. And I will also say that all questions should lead to hiring you. So don't ask any questions just because you're interested or curious to know more about their business unless it directly is related to something that you provide. So for instance, when I'm asking in a discovery phase, I might ask somebody like, "Do you know how to create curiosity when you're talking about your business?" Because I teach that. That's why I ask that question. I don't ask them, "Do you have an elevator pitch?" Now, that is something that I do work with clients on, but I don't ask that until I get an like assigned, you know, contract for a VIP mm-hmm. and then that's going to come up in the intake form. So think about what are the questions you really need the answers to just to be able to recommend ways to work with you or, or a proposal that you could provide to them. And um, the other thing is be really careful in the discovery. Sometimes people think discovery and you could also call it a consultation should be your opportunity to do like, I'm going to demonstrate how freaking awesome I am so that you hire me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, especially those of us who offer services, we will want to coach or we'll want to like, like, look at me, look how cool I am, and I'm going to blow your mind. But I often find that that will overwhelm people and cause them to not hire you. So you shouldn't be coaching on your discovery calls. You really should just be finding out a little bit more about them, what's important to them, and asking questions that lead to hiring you. Got it.
0: Yeah. And I even find myself doing that sometimes because When I'm talking to people and I'm like, oh my God, I can help you do this and this and this and this and this and And, oh my God, you could do this. And that was me and this changed my life and da, 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 And I mean, I actually had to have a coach years ago when I started speaking. He's like, you're very entertaining, but you can't finish a sentence to like save your life. Like if you had a gun to your head and someone was (laughs) like, finish your thought, like you couldn't do it. And it was true. And so being coached on that, I was just so unaware of like what I was saying and how I was skipping around and somebody came up to me one time and they're like, yeah, I I like how you use that like Tony Robbins method of like looping, but I I really couldn't follow you. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like Mm. I've, I I know who Tony Robbins is, but like I've never listened to him. I don't know what looping is. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So apparently there's like some type of strategy or method out there to selling, which then of course it made me curious. And I'm like, what is this? And so then I go and like Google it and I like start watching the videos of what the hell he's talking about because I'm curious. I'm like, well, I want to know what that means. Um, but there, there definitely is a, a strategy behind it. And so like, I'm thankful that people say stuff to me like that. So I'm like, Oh, what are they talking about? (laughs) Um, it's just, it's very, very, um, I don't know, like, it's just insightful when you're not self-aware. I think it's really important. So why, like, why do you think that we should, as even if you're selling or not selling, proposing services to potential clients, um, but sometimes, like, even I'll go in and I'm like, can they really afford what I do? Or, um, like, we'll have people fill out our intake form and it's pretty thorough. We ask a lot of questions because I want to know if I pre, I'm trying to pre-qualify, but sometimes people will put like their overall budget for an event is $10,000, but they have 300 people and they want an open bar and a band and a sit down dinner. And so, you know, to be funny, but for real, I'm like, did you forget a few zeros or is that your budget for like a planner, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm confused. And so a lot of people, they just don't understand the process. They don't know what things mm-hmm. cost. They're unaware. So it's like, I actually can't use that little box of pre-qualifications because it's not that they can't afford your services or they don't want to hire you. They're just unaware. So how do you handle people when they're like, Oh, we, we really want to hire you to come and teach a sales process, but we don't know if we can afford you. Like, how do you reframe that mindset? So a couple things,
1: um, to that and, and for your, like for your intake form too, if I can make a suggestion for you, sometimes you have to give, you have to give people a range. So you might say, um, you know, hiring Angela to come speak to your event, it could range between, you know, 10,000 and 100,000. Like I don't I really care it. what the range is, but by giving a range and then you ask the question and what have you budgeted for this, right? And so now it's, you've, you've kind of laid the foundation of like, if they're mm-hmm. gonna say, well, we have $200 to pay you to come speak, you're probably gonna go like, you just self-identified yourself out of somebody who would get to hire me to come speak. Right. So give some type of a range. Now, if somebody calls me and says, Nikki, we're interested in having you come speak, but we're really not sure that we can afford you. I might say, what are you willing to invest or what have you budgeted to invest in your sales team?
0: Mm -hmm. And I'm going to frame it as
1: an investment. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love it. And, um, so that's, that's one way. And the other thing too, is I am, I am totally okay with people saying like, we really would like to hire you. And, um, we only have this amount of money to spend. And then I would, then a lot of times what I'll do is I'll offer some type of a solution. Like for instance. Well, if you'd like to put your sales team through sales training, I actually have a membership program. It's called Sales Maven Society. It's where all of my training is housed and we could get all of your sales team into this training for this amount of money for per month. And and then that way I'm not teaching it live and you're able to meet in your budget. Like I'm going to try to offer a solution, but if they don't, like let's say, they just don't have the money. Right. Yeah. And I always say like, bless and release those people from your life and say like, I really appreciate (laughs) this opportunity, you know, and it sounds like this isn't the right fit. And if something were to change and, you know, we could find a way to make this work for you guys, then please know that you're welcome to reach
0: out to me at any point. Like, because my fee is my fee. Right. Right. Yeah. People don't understand. And and also too, it's like, oh, it's how much, like, I've literally had people say how much to to come and speak for 45 minutes. And I'm like, no, you don't, under, like in my head, I'm like, no, you don't understand. But I've actually had to learn to tell people, well, to me, it's not just 45 minutes. So let me give you a breakdown. It is spending probably four or five hours um, researching your audience, tailoring a presentation for you. And sure, we have templates, but your audience is going to get something that they need, not something that I did a week ago. That takes time. Then the travel. So like I know because my business manager said, if you're traveling, that's costing you $3,000 a day, for example. And Mm -hmm. because I'm having to invest in other people to do things that I could be doing. And so I, I have found that if I educate people and I'm like, so it's not just 45 minutes, like there is a whole, I mean, I have to take my dogs to the dog meeting. I have to pay for that. I have, to, You know, there's a lot of things that go into behind the scenes of preparing for an actual presentation. And then also too, I mean, these days, and I don't know if you do this, but like when you're speaking a lot, like I don't like to wear the same thing ever. <laughs> Because of social media. So (laughs) I totally agree, you know? And so it's like, okay, do I just get a subscription to rent the runway? I literally like rent clothes sometimes because I don't want to pay $500 for a dress. Like every single time I speak, I know these are like, you know, TMI, but it's like, these are the things and that takes time to like go and figure out what, what am I going to wear and what's going to be on brand and you know, all of these things. And so do you feel like that's like giving people too much information Or do you think it's good to like educate them on like, it's not just 45 minutes? So
1: I would say I'd be a little careful of how much information I give, because when you start acting as if you're justifying your price, it sounds like you are trying to negotiate. Gotcha. And so in a way, I almost want you to say like, I understand it might appear That that seems like a lot for 45 minutes. There's a lot that goes into the prep for for me to be there and to deliver this content. But really what you're paying for is what your audience is going to take away and the impression they're going to have about your event and whether or not they're going to want to come back next year. So recognize that there's there's a lot that goes into this and the one thing i'll tell you for sure is your audience is going to love
0: what i deliver gotcha and then being confident about yeah
1: and just really stand in your credibility and your power and own like own it you know that when you go on stage and you deliver a keynote that audience is going to be you're you're going to blow some minds in that room right like i know i do when i go and speak yeah. like people come come up and they're like you're the best speaker we've had in 20 years i mean i people say that to me all the time when they're you know if they've had the event for 20 years but yeah. um so and or like uh, this is the most useful like content i've ever received at a conference right like i get that kind of stuff all the time so i understand the power of my delivery and my work and i'm totally okay with people being like, really? That seems like a lot of money. It's like, it's an investment. Mm -hmm. That's true. It's totally Mm -hmm. an investment for your people, but your people are going to love this. They're going to be talking about it and they're going to want to come back. And this is why I, and this probably is true for you too. I often get asked to come after I speak at a conference, I get asked Mm -hmm. to come back the next year Mm -hmm. because people are raving about it. Yep. Absolutely. Right. So be okay
0: to like say those types of things too. Yeah, absolutely. And so do you, when you first started speaking, I get this question a lot. Like, did you do it, I would say free complimentary just for exposure? Like, do you think that's a healthy format to just go and expose yourself for a year versus starting off? Like, no, there is a fee. There is an investment. I like new speakers and people that I'm coaching. They ask me and I'm like, well, I spoke for free a lot. Not that it is the right thing to do, but how did you actually like get started? Which you already had a ton of experience when you actually like launched your business. So What are your professional thoughts on that in terms of exposure and speaking fees? And then how did you know when to raise your speaking fees?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, this is so many, like such good stuff here. Okay, well, I will say for your audience, you have to do what feels right to you. And just being really like you asked me the question, I'm going to give you a straight up answer. I did a ton of stuff for free, a ton because one is, well, one, I never thought that I was going to speak as part of my like ways to bring income into my business. So I just started getting asked to speak and then I got asked to speak more and speaking still is really the number one way that I book new clients. So if you have a group of ideal people in the room, like I might be willing to negotiate my speaker fee for that Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: like, I know that, you know, whatever the fee is, I'm going to, you know, 3x that or 5x that with the clients that hire me as a result. So when it comes to speaking, like I still will do things. I don't love the word exposure. (laughs) Like I read this on social media one time and it said like people die of exposure, you know, like to the elements. And so Mm -hmm. when somebody says to me, well, this is going to be really good exposure for you. Mm -hmm. That's almost always a no. (laughs) Right. Right. But I did get, like, one of the things that happened in the first couple years of my business because I would say yes to everything. Like, I spoke at like diners where there was like music playing and they could barely hear me like I, I don't do those anymore for sure but <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, you know like I said yes to everything because it helped me hone my message and it helped me figure out like what were the things that people really wanted to hear what were the things that kind of blew people's minds or made them go like oh my gosh like this is why I wrote the second book that I wrote which was the buying signals book because okay. I started talking about buying signals and people would like Like put their hands on their head and be like, what? There are signals that people give that says they want to do business with you. Like, and they like people were shocked by this. But I would have never known that had I not gone out and and started talking about it. And now the you know, the talk that I was doing on buying signals, people pay me, and I was doing it for free. People pay me money to come and give this talk. And, and I've turned it into a million other things, like a book, a course, uh, you know, I've written a million articles about it. I've been on so many podcasts and talked about it. So be willing to kind of put yourself out there and test the waters. I don't think you need to give everything for free, but until you know, like, what is the stuff that people really are willing to pay for? Sometimes you just have to put it out there and that could just be, it doesn't necessarily have to be you getting on a plane and going somewhere or driving for three hours to go speak somewhere. Maybe you just host a live webinar and you do that for free and see, see what like lights people up. So you start to know what should you be charging for? Because the things that that people are really like surprised to hear or learn
0: from you, that's usually the stuff you should charge the most for. Yeah, Absolutely. So what is like your top buying signal? Like, is there one thing where it's like, okay, this is a buying signal, let's go. Yes. Is there one, like, what is the one top thing? (laughs) Okay, so my most favorite and most
1: missed buying signal, which might sound super obvious once you hear it, and I hope it will to everybody listening, is when somebody comes up and gives you a compliment about your work, about you, about, you know, what they've heard about you, I don't want you to just say, thank you. Like, of course we know be courteous and thank the person like we all like, I love compliments. Right. And so it's okay to say thank you, but you've got to follow it up with an invitation. So when you get a a potential buying signal, you have to follow it up with an invitation to take another step with you. So here's a, like, this is a story. This is a true story of somebody who came up to me at an event and said, are you Nikki Roush? And I said, I am because obviously I am. Right. (laughs) Right. And she was like, Oh my gosh, my friend went through one of your classes and she just raved about you. So I hear it. Like I hear that as like, ding, 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 potential buying signal. Right. And so I said, Oh, thank you so much. Like, I really appreciate that. I loved your friend. She was amazing. And then I say this now, is there something that I could, I could help you with? Yeah. And she like took a moment and really thought about it. And she's like, maybe. And I was like, great. What do you think about us scheduling a time just to get to know each other better? I'd love to find out more about you and see if there's a way that I could be a resource to you. And I pull my calendar out, which I carry on my phone, and Mm -hmm. we scheduled a time to chat. And fast forward, you know, months, months later, she did end up actually hiring me. She became a private VIP client.
0: That's awesome.
1: And she's heard me tell this story. And as a matter of fact, she actually called me one day after she heard me tell this story in a, (laughs) in a course that I was teaching. And she was like, Nikki, that story's about me, isn't it? And I said, it is about you. I was like, do you remember (laughs) coming up to me that morning and saying that at that, you know, we were at a breakfast and. And she was like, oh, I remember it so clearly. And I said, now, when you came over to talk to me that morning, did you come over with the intention of hiring me? And she was like, no. And I was like, well, then how did we get here? Like, how did we get to work together? And she said this, Nikki,
0: you asked. That's awesome. Yep. You got to ask people. You got to ask. ask. Yep. You have to ask. Like, so... So for everybody that's listening, it's really important to ask permission. And like from doing webinars, as as you mentioned, webinars, it is that's like in that training of like how to do a webinar. And it's like ask for permission during the selling process. Like, why is that so important to ask for permission?
1: Well, it preps people's minds to know what's going to come next. So it does create a little bit of safety and it also shows a sense of respect for the other, the other people, like the person that you're in conversation with, because we've all been in those situations where somebody hears about something you're doing and they come right over and they're like, you know what? You should totally hire me. And here's why, because you said you were going to do this and you need me, right? And then you're like, uh, no, thanks. Like so uh-huh. turned off by it. But if somebody came over to you and said, you know, Angela, I heard you talking about this, and I'm wondering if there's something I might be able to do to be of service to you, you would probably go, like, tell me more about that, yeah. right? Because she just asked permission. She didn't launch into this huge, hard push, right? So. Ask permission because it preps people to know, and it gives them that that yes, right? They gave you the yes to move forward, and once you've got permission, they will they'll give you their attention a little bit longer, and they'll be more open to being receptive to your message. I love that. I
0: love it. So for people who want more, I I want more. I I, is your book on Audible? Like, where can people get your book? (laughs) (laughs)
1: you can get it pretty much on anywhere where you can download books or buy books. So it's available on Amazon and you can actually get, you know, printed version. If that's, if you like to hold it and touch it, which by the way, I will say, I love my cover really as a kinesthetic learner, somebody who loves Uh the feel of things. It feels really good. Um, but the ebook is available there and, um, and it is available on audible as well.
0: Yay. Finally, like, Everybody I talk to that has a book, not all of which my my books are not even on audible yet, but it's like I mean it's a process. It takes some time, but <laughs> I definitely get to it quicker if it's on audible. So yay, yeah. um, and then for all of the listeners today, you have created something special for them. So tell them about that. I did. So I love to give a gift
1: to your listeners and thank them for sharing this time with me and 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 you as well. And so you can download an ebook from me that's called Closing the Sale. And it's really around tips for increasing your confidence in the close process. So to get that, you just go to my website, which is your and then put forward slash B U. Just lowercase B U, and that's for Business Unveiled. So, this is a gift that is specifically for your audience.
0: Oh, I love it. All about closing the sale. Three secrets to master selling. And I feel like, even though I've been selling for so long, if you stop learning, people, like you're just gonna die out. Like, always keeping up. And I feel like with social media, and there's so many changes going on with technology. And also just keeping up with the different generations and how to peak their attention um, it, it changes over the years. And so definitely go over to your sales, slash BU for business unveiled and download the book because I know that it will be very helpful. I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And get your book on audible too. Like that'll be next on my list. I yeah, have like so a it's, long list. <laughs>
1: yeah. The, sell, the selling staircase, you can get it on audible and you can get buying signals on audible too, if you, if you want. And it's a yeah. very, it's a very fast listen. That is awesome. And then where can they find you on Facebook and Instagram? So you can find me as Your Sales Maven on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn, Nikki Roush. I'd love to hear from your audience like what's what's your biggest takeaway or do you have a question about something that I said? Like please reach out to me. I'm very very approachable and easy to get a hold of.
0: Yay. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Nikki. This was amazing. I learned so much and I think we're going to go change our intake form like tonight. (laughs) okay, good. (laughs) Do the range of like, we need to do that in everything we're doing. So I love it. So guys, make sure that you check her out on Instagram and Facebook, go download that free book and then go grab her book. Like she said, hard copy, or if you're like me and you like to listen while you're driving or sitting in traffic or working out, um, get it on Audible. So Nikki, thank you so much for your time today and good luck on your speaking engagement. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope that you have a great day and be sure to tune in next week to another episode of Business Unveiled. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. And I'm so very grateful if you leave a review. Be sure you are a subscriber so you never, ever miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. Also, be sure that you are part of my email list. And if you're not, Sign up today at angelaprofit.com, where I share valuable resources and exclusive products with only my subscribers. Now, before I go, I want to ask you, if you have a story or a product to share with the creative industry, please let me know. To be considered as a guest on Business Unveiled, visit AngelaProfit.com and submit a podcast guest form. Until next time, remember to stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.